much. Well, it's great to be with you. It seems like a while since I've been with you, but it's wonderful to be here. And just to send greetings from my wife, Ashita, and our children, and the church family as well. We love you, we pray for you. And um, it's just exciting to just be in God's presence. I I feel we're still very much in God's presence, so I'm really treading lightly on what I share this morning. But I felt God spoke to me about sharing about hope, which kind of fits in with everything that you've, uh, the Lord's been saying already. I didn't realize, I'm not um, a big studier of all things Anglican, so I didn't realize that the Advent, the first calendar candle was to do with hope. But that's beautiful, isn't it? In the context of what God wants to say this morning. And I really believe for you as a community, God wants to bring you into a new season of hope. And I love this um, phrase that you've had all year that's been a real defining factor for the church. The season you're going into, you're going to have to be brave. And, And bravery sometimes is being faithful over being cynical. Bravery sometimes is being joyful in the midst of pain. Bravery sometimes is to believe the promises even when you don't see them in the physical realm. Uh, There's going to be a season where bravery is required, but that season, in the same season, you're going to reap what you sow. I really believe you're coming into a season where in the same season, this is supernatural, it's not natural, you're going to reap what you sow. So as you're brave, you're going to reap back so much, And I think, in terms of people's lives, People's lives changed. Okay, I will. I believe that you're going to reap a building in the next 18 months. And I'm just speaking that over you right now. And if I'm wrong, I'll come back and apologize. But I don't believe I am wrong. I believe I've heard God. So in the next 18 months, we're going to see a facility released to this community. Let's stand in that in Jesus' name. We set our hearts, we set our our mouths to decree this morning in your presence, Lord Jesus. Father, you say in your word that we can approach your throne and receive mercy and grace in time of need. Father, this church family needs a home where they can express the creativity, the anointing, the many-faceted wisdom that you've given them, and to see people transform with your love in so many ways. Father, I thank you all that's happening without a building, but I thank you it's going to be helped by the vehicle of a building. So in Jesus' name, I just declare that right now. And Father, that building would not become a monument, that building would not become an albatross around the neck, but it would be simply a vehicle for extending the kingdom. Because the life's not in a building, the life's in this community here. It's tangible, it's life to the full. I can feel it right now. So I declare right now that this life would not even be contained in a building, but spill out from that building to the surrounding area. And and just as you tell us to go, you also tell us to bring. So Father, I ask that you would help us go, but you would also help us bring in Jesus' name. And that those that perhaps we've invited before that have said, oh, I've got too much to do or I can't be bothered or whatever, that we would find those on the highways and byways. We would find those that perhaps are the have-nots, those that people overlook, and invite them as VIPs and see them transform with the love of Jesus. Father, even this Christmas, even with all the Christmas activities this church is involved in, let there be VIPs come. 
Let VIPs come and let their lives be transformed by the presence of the love of Jesus through each person in this room. In Jesus' name I pray. Let it be. Let it be. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We declare good things over each other. We declare good things over this community. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. <laughs> Thank you, Father. If you've got a Bible with you, I hope you have rather than the Quran this morning. Uh, if you've got a Bible with you, please turn with me to Matthew chapter 9, please. <clears throat> Has anybody got an um, English Standard Version with you this morning, something like that? Or an Ivy New American? Stuart, would you just come and read for me verses 27 to 29? <clears throat> <laughs> okay, Matthew 9, 27 to 29. When Jesus departed from there... Two blind men followed him, crying out and saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And when he had come into the house, the blind man came to him. And Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? And they said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, let it be to you. This is a really interesting miracle because it takes place in private. It takes place in a house. If you notice the scripture that Stuart read, that Jesus goes into a house. He almost completely ignores these guys, goes into a house, and they follow him into that house. And from my reading the scripture, it's a very personal conversation between these two blind men and Jesus. There's nobody else around at this point. And Jesus says to them, according to your faith, be it unto you. In the message translation of that particular scripture, it renders it this way. Jesus looks at them, touches their eyes and says, become what you believe. Become what you believe. Become what you believe. And I believe that's the challenge in the title of the message today, but it's a challenge to me and everyone in this room to become what we believe. We say we believe certain things. We say we believe in the restoration of all things. We say we believe in covenant. We say we believe in healing of the heart. We say we believe in the Father's heart. We say we believe in so many wonderful things that God has revealed to us. But I believe that this season is a time to become what we believe. Not just say it, but become it. And I'm challenged myself more than anybody else in this room that we're going to become what we believe. I don't know what kind of season you've been through, but the last two years for us as a community, and I think the more I talk to friends internationally and in the UK, the more I find across church it's been a challenging time. It's been a time where there's been some good victories and breakthroughs, but there's been also challenges, both uh, losses uh, and all sorts of challenges that have taken place, whether it be in relationships, whether it be in finances, whether it be in health issues, there's been challenges. Even, I know amongst you, there's been challenges in the area of loss and in the area of health. And amongst us as well as a community, in the last few years, we've seen 
two wonderful prominent ladies in the church um, be diagnosed with cancer. One passed away last year and one is very, very sick right now as I speak. In the natural, we're believing for healing, um, but she's in the natural very sick. And in the midst of that challenge, we had one guy in the church who was healed of cancer this year. And, and sometimes it doesn't seem to make sense. It doesn't seem to make sense why one gets healed and one doesn't. And sometimes we have all sorts of questions. And questioning is not a bad thing as long as that questioning leads you to, to get back into God rather than questioning to get into despair. It's really important that we question things and we question the scripture and we, we ask God questions. But the motive and the heart behind it needs to be, I want to ask you questions and I want to, I want to understand your heart for the purpose of knowing you more, not so I just get my pat answers. <clears throat> and I really believe this is a season to, to throw ourselves back on God. To maybe cut back on some of our activities and spend a bit more time, and I'm saying to myself as well, with the Lord Jesus. Because really, if we're not doing that, what's the point? <clears throat> I really believe that God wants to set our hearts on fire again with his hope. That through the challenges and the circumstances we've faced, sometimes we can become a bit weary. Sometimes we become a bit jaded. Sometimes there's a sense of, well, I'll just plod on. I'll keep on plodding on. But God doesn't want us to plod on. He's made us to be eagles that soar. And the scripture says to me in Isaiah 58, I think it's the last verse. It says, he will cause us to ride on the high places of the earth. And I really believe God wants a people that know how to just soar with him. You know, even young people get weary, but those who attend, those who wait on the Lord, those who hope in the Lord, shall renew their strength. They shall rise up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not be faint. It's not an age issue, it's a hope issue. It's not how you feel issue, it's where your faith is this morning. God wants us to become what we believe. Turn with me to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. Just as you turned in there, I was really blessed as well with the reading that Lisa gave at the beginning from the Passion Translation. That particular uh, translation is really fresh, and it's a really good translation to get into, uh, because it just gives you another side of the many-sided hope of God for your heart. So it's really good to get into that. But Romans chapter 4, and uh, <clears throat> I want to look at a couple of verses here. Just bear with me. I'm trying to do it what Mark does on the iPad. I'd prefer to go back to this. Thank you. <laughs> Forgive me. <clears throat> Romans 4. It's better if it's not upside down. <clears throat> and I want to start to read from verse 13. For the promise that he would... This is talking about Abram. For the promise that he would be heir of the world was not to Abram or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. 
So there was a promise made that Abram would be heir of the world when he didn't even have one heir. That doesn't make any sense, does it? He was set that his servant would take over everything. He was set in that way. He was an honorable man and was preparing for the next generation, even though he didn't have a son. And God says, you're going to be heir of the whole world. You know what God says to the church? We're here to be heir of the whole world. We're here to transform a hate-filled, dark world to be a love-filled, light-filled planet where even creation changes, where even creation responds to us. Well, that's so far away from where we are, Jeff. But so was Abram so far away from this promise. There's no difference between us. And we know it happened for Abram, don't we? So it can happen for us too as the church. I want to take my glasses here. Forgive me. For if those who are, the, who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect. Because the law brings about wrath. For there is no, if there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace. So that through the promise, so that th- the promise might be sure to all the seed. Not only to those who are of law, the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. So the promise is for all. What promise? To be heir of the whole world. Verse 17, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. And how are we going to activate this promise to be heir of the world? To start fathering and mothering the nations. The hope is not that I become the heir of the world and I take over Mark Zuckerberg at Facebook and become a billionaire. My God, that would be the last thing I'd want, to be honest. But my hope is in that through what the God that's in me, Jesus that's in me, and Jesus is in you, we can father and mother the nations. And father and mother the nations means we're going to be heir of the whole world. The two are connected. God did not give Abraham the whole world. He made him a father. The church is here to father and mother the nations, the nations on our doorstep and the nations across the world. The church is here. To, the church is not just an organization or an institution that we go to on a Sunday. The church is here to father and mother the nations. Every single day. And when we gather together, we celebrate our father who from every fatherhood and every motherhood derives his name. Amen. So the church is here to father the nations and to be heir of the whole world. Let's, let's read on. God, so verse 17, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of him whom he believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Who contrary to hope, in hope believed and so what? became the father of many nations. What did he do? He believed and therefore became. Now there's this weird situation here where you've got against hope, in hope, he believed. What on earth does that mean? Well, hope is an expectation or a state of being on the inside. It's the picture you go to on the inside when you're most vulnerable. It's the inner image that you carry when you're at rest. What is the hope that's on the inside? What is the inner image that we carry? 
The inner image about ourselves, the inner image about God, more importantly, the inner image about the church. What, what hope do we have on these things? That's what hope is. It's an expectation. It's an inner image. If you like, it's a blueprint on the inside. And we can have things that we can call natural hope and things that we can call supernatural hope. And this is what Paul is getting at here. We can fill our inner image with all the circumstances we go through, all of life's experiences, both good and bad. We can fill our heart with, with, with images of, well, that person let me down, so I don't want to commit to another person because they may let me down. And, and we can fill our heart with that stuff. Oh, that's not going to work because I prayed for that person once. They didn't get healed, therefore God doesn't heal. I can fill my heart with this natural hope. I can commentate on the circumstances circumstances you know in the church we have a lot of people a lot of good commentators we make a lot of money in sports because they're really good at commentating on what they see and I've been there myself as well but God doesn't want us to commentate on what we see out here he wants to commentate on what we see in here but what we see in here needs to line up with what he says in here what he said to us by his spirit, what he said to us by his word. And, and I believe this is the challenge that God is bringing afresh to the church. First of all, I believe that the church needs to be in the word again. Because I think that we, we, we don't know the word the way we need to know the word. And we've, we've, we've taken scriptures like Hosea 4, 6, where it says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. And we said, well, in the Hebrew, it doesn't mean knowledge. It means perception. Yeah, but it's the same thing. What are you looking at? <laughs> I mean, if, if you're looking at what God says and putting that in your heart, you're not going to perish. Amen? Yeah. So, so there's, 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 there's this connection here. And I believe that God wants us to be those that are not, you know, sort of academic high flyers with the word of God. Because a lot of that has no faith in it. But those that put this word in their heart, that keep this word in their heart, something dear to them. Yeah. Amen? So against this kind of natural hope, think about the natural hope. Think about the inner image that Abram could have had. Not able to have a child. He's very old. He's not going to accomplish this in the natural. I'm sure Sarah was still very beautiful, so let's not have a go at Sarah. But it was just for him as a person. It wasn't going well. He was an old man. He hadn't had children. And this promise seemed to be completely contrary to the natural hope that was around him. But then he says, in hope, in another kind of hope. What was that kind of hope? Well, God changed his name to mean father of many nations. So every time somebody said hello to him, they were saying, hello, father of many nations. I'm sure some people would have been chuckling about that, sniggering about it, being cynical about that. He calls himself father of many nations when he hasn't even got a kid. Sometimes we've got to be brave enough to take ridicule for what we believe. And usually it comes through people who are already religious. Jesus was ridiculed a lot, not by the common people, not by everyday people, but by religious people. Because they didn't get him, because he didn't live a religious life. He lived a life life, a life without religion. Amen? He lived a life to the full. 
And God wants us to step into this. I believe this has been so key for you this year. God wants us to step into this season of being brave. Of, of no matter what the natural hope looks like, to believe beyond that and see what God is saying and put that in our heart. You may have heard it before and uh, you may have mixed views about Walt Disney and Disney. But I remember that beautiful story of Disney sitting on a bench and behind him where they were... They were just nearly finishing the building of the California Disneyland. And, and this, this guy came to him and said, you know, why? You know, how did this happen? And Walt Disney smiled at him and said, long before I saw it there, I saw it here. And I believe that God wants us to dream again. You know, so often when we go through really tough times and challenging times, we stop dreaming. We stop hoping. You know, as kids, young kids, when you speak to young kids, they've got lots of dreams. They've got lots of visions about what they want to do. As far as God's concerned, because you know God's ancient, he's always been around. You're all young kids, all right? <laughs> Every one of you is God's young kid. And God wants you to dream again. I was saying this to a, a person who was in their 80s in our community and they said to me well uh, you know I'm, I'm not sure how much time I've got left on this earth and I said well why don't you dream about what time you got left and dream about what's going to happen in the next life as well yeah. amen yeah. there's always something to dream about something powerful to dream about and God wants us to dream again and and God has given us an imagination and that imagination is to be filled with his promises and with the words that God has spoken over us you know, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18, Paul tells Timothy to go to war with the prophecies that are over his life, that actually wage war with those prophecies. You know, sometimes life is a battle, and some of the prophetic word that's been spoken over you individually, your community, been spoken over this church, and, and, and it's not come to pass yet, but it's time to war with it. Today is not a day to be cynical. A day, today is not a day to shrink back because you're better than that. You're his child and you're his young kid and you're going to dream again. Yeah. Do you remember in church where, where we used to dance? <clears throat> I wasn't very good at it, but I used to. But you know, yeah, you remember. because she, Yeah, amen. And we're going to dance again because... <clears throat> because it says that, that, that God sings over us, and as he sings over us, if you look at the Hebrew there, it says he sings over us, and he twirls around as he's singing. So God's a really good dancer, all right? He's a really good dancer, and God wants us to be like little kids again. You know, the first thing my three-year-old does, she goes to ballet on a Saturday morning, 9.30 a.m., she goes to ballet, she puts the little bunches in, she gets a leotard, and she gets a tutu on, and she goes back, and she comes back doing exactly the same step she did last week, but it's still amazing to see every single time. Tell me, what Zoe, what you've done in ballet this morning. Oh! <gasps> Oh, Daddy, this is what I've done. And, she, and I put the ballet music on and she goes around the, the lounge and does exactly the same step and gives a big smile. And every time it's wonderful to me because I'm a dad who loves her. And every time you start to dream again, start to go for what God has put on your heart, start to enjoy life, it makes God happy and proud of you. God is amazed by you. God loves you. You know, in, in the scripture, it, it says that Jesus was amazed by certain people's faith. Think about that, God getting amazed by people's faith. 
wouldn't it be wonderful if there was a whole church where God was amazed by your faith? God was amazed by the supernatural hope that you have on the inside. <clears throat> One of the things it says about Abram, the first thing God promised him, the first thing God promised him, that I will bless you. And how did God bless him? He became the father of many nations. So often we think blessing is about stuff when blessing is about purpose. And to fulfill the purpose, there may be stuff involved, but blessing is about purpose. And he blessed him and he became the father of many nations. You know, the, one of the phrases you can take from the word blessing, there are many, I understand that. But what you can take from this phrase blessing, it literally can mean something extraordinary or becoming extraordinary. God wants to bless you with the ability to become extraordinary let's be honest what we believe is extraordinary it's not ordinary but God wants us to become extraordinary so that we can show what we believe to those around us in a powerful way you know and some even if they get a miracle will still not believe but that's not our our job is to be extraordinary turn to somebody and say your job is to be extraordinary Extraordinary means this. It means beyond the common order. You're not common. None of you are common. You're, you're all posh, all right? You're all posh in here because you're, not, you're beyond the common order. Amen? Children of the king. You're beyond the common method. You're beyond the common course of things. Here's another way to describe the blessing on your life. You're remarkable. There's a mark on you. Of covenant. There's a mark on you of the Spirit. You're remarkable. And to some, that's a negative, but to some, it's going to be a great positive. <clears throat> but start to see this on the inside. Start to see who you are. It says about Jesus, I think it's in Acts 2, chapter, chapter 2, verse 22. It says that he did amazing miracles and wonders because he was accredited by God. <laughs> you and I are accredited by God. I wonder what it would be like if the church stopped chasing a miracle maker on a platform and became the signs and wonders that you already are on the inside. Because you are. You are miracle makers. You've already received a miracle You've got a brand new spirit in Christ Jesus. That's a great miracle. Shall we look at that, how that happened? Turn with me in the same book, Romans chapter 10. This is how it happened here, verse 9. This is the miracle of salvation. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be made whole. Listen to this. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Have you noticed there's something that goes in the heart when you really believe what Jesus did? 
Not just what Jesus said, but what he was, what he did. His death, his resurrection. A hope came into your heart. And that supernatural hope created with the Holy Spirit a brand new spirit on the inside of you. And then you spoke out, Jesus is Lord. What does that mean? It means that he's now my source. I was plugged in to a source of fear, but now I'm plugged in to the source of love. Jesus is now my source. He's now my Lord. He's my Savior. And I'm plugged into him. And I know that this hope can work and this faith can work that I speak and this faith can work that I act on every day. Why? Because the Bible says that faith only works by love. And he's poured his love into my heart by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to come and he wants to paint like an artist Paint the beautiful blueprint of your wonderful future on the canvas of your heart. He wants to take the oil paints of the word and just make a beautiful picture on your heart of all that he wants you to be and all that he wants you to do. All that he wants this church to do. Whether you run a business, whether you're a mum or a dad at home, whatever you're doing, God wants you to dream again and the Holy Spirit wants to help you do that and paint a beautiful picture. And when you start to see it on the inside, you're going to start to see it on the outside. You're going to start to see it on the outside. God wants, God wants this for you and me. And don't let this world system, don't let the pressures and the turmoils and the hurts and the pains and the rejections and the condemnations of others and the judgments of others. You know, sometimes I think because we're not having a sober judgment of ourselves and what does that mean? It means to start dreaming according to the word. We start to judge everybody else and every other thing. And God wants a people that that haven't got an opinion on anything apart from what God says to them in their hearts. And, and I want to walk like that. I, I, I don't want to judge another man's work or another woman's work. I don't want to judge a, a relationship or a person. I just want to be in a place where hope, I'm judging that hope is in my heart fresh. Amen? Yeah. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Just a couple more scriptures to finish with today. And I want to do a few things before we close. They're well-known scriptures, but I think it's good to see them again, isn't it? 2 Corinthians chapter chapter 1, verse 20. For no matter... This is the NIV translation now. I'm going to quote it because I've got the wrong version I brought with me. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And we speak the amen to the glory of God. Amen? So there's something happening here. There's somebody who's putting the promises of God in their heart. and, And every promise that God has made from Genesis to Revelation, because we're in Jesus, they are yes for us. Do we even know what those promises are? One of them we've read today is to be heir of the whole world and to father and mother nations. It doesn't matter what job you do. It doesn't matter if you've got right now a wrong view of yourself. The correct view of yourself is this. 
that you're a son and a daughter and you're here to carry on the family business which is to take over the world with the love of Jesus being a father and a mother. So if you're 15, you can father and mother somebody who's 10. If you're 55 or 45 in that generation that seems to be so overlooked, he says it because he's in that generation, I'm 40 at the moment, we can be a bridge and help father the younger generation and bring the older generation closer to the younger generation. And the older generation with so much experience and so much wisdom you got so much to give. It was the Joshua's and the Caleb's that set things right and set people in their promised land. And they were in their 80s when they did it. Don't think that you've got not much more to give. Don't retire from the call that's on your life. There's so much more to give and do to be a father and mother in the nations. Amen? Amen. I believe that one thing that God wants for you as a community is to not only rediscover a heart for this area and for Leeds, but also to rediscover a heart for the nations as well. That, that many of you will, will, will discover hearts to both reach out to people in this community from different, different nationalities, but also go into the nations and father the nations as well. And if you notice, in our own nation, in the UK... The suicide rate and the depression rate amongst young people is ridiculously high. And we have the answer to that. The answer is not religion. The answer is a transformation of hope on the inside. That there is hope and there is promises. And it says, the promises that God has made, they're yes in Christ. And now it goes on to say that we speak the amen to the glory of God. You know, Paul wasn't getting all Pentecostal when he said this. Oh, glory to God. He wasn't doing that. He was, he was making a point here, okay? And this is really important. In the, first gospel, in, the first letter, in the first chapter of the book of John, it says this about Jesus. He became flesh and we beheld his glory. The word became flesh and we beheld his glory. So all those Prophecies about Jesus for hundreds, for thousands of years suddenly became flesh in the incarnation and everybody could see Jesus and we beheld what his glory. It's the same thing that it's saying here about the promises. If we start to nurture these promises in our heart and no matter what comes against us, we say, no, these promises are going to come true. I'm going to continue to speak them. I'm going to continue to line my life up with them. No matter if people say I'm a nutter, I don't care because I believe this stuff. I believe what God says. I believe the whole earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. I do believe that. I don't believe we're we're going to all go hell in a handbasket and have a, a little rapture at the end and it's going to be all oh look at us out of here God we've failed no the church is going to be a glorious church before Jesus returns and I believe this stuff and I believe it's going to happen and why not in our generation but what happened these prophets some of them didn't even see Jesus in their generation but they prophesied and they spoke and in one generation Jesus came and you beheld him and thank God we did behold him Can I suggest to you, if those men and women hadn't put the promise of Messiah in their heart 
and declared it, even when they were tortured for declaring it, even when they were in terrible persecution for declaring it, or ridiculed because they declared it. If they hadn't declared it and lived accordingly, then God wouldn't have not had anybody to partner in the earth to bring forth Jesus in the physical realm. God always uses partnership on this earth. How do I know that? Read the Gospels. Read the Christmas story. This happened to fulfill what the prophet said. This happened to fulfill what the prophet said. This, you can read it again and again and again. Why? God is saying, I want you and me. He wants you and me to put that promise and that hope in our heart. And to say, yeah, we, we receive the yes of God. This is going to happen. We see it in here, even if we don't see it out there yet. We see it in here. We've prayed for a hundred people with cancer. None of, none of them have got healed. But we believe that by the stripes of Jesus, you are a healer, Jesus. And we believe that by the wounds you received, we have been healed. You pray for the 101th person. Boom! The word became flesh. That woke some of you up, didn't it? The word became flesh and we beheld his glory. We beheld his glory. Never, ever give up. Never, ever give up. You may feel like quitting sometimes. I've been there too. Let's be honest, we've all been there. You know, it says later on in Romans 4, it says, Abram considered his body dead. He, he was real about his situation. You know, he didn't, say, he didn't say, well, you know, I can produce this baby. I'm doing really well for my age. Thank you very much. He realized what situation he was in. But he staggered not. This is the amazing thing because we know he did stagger. But he, according to God, the way God saw him, that one moment of staggering not and believing was enough to get God's approval. You may have staggered all over the place. I'm not going to tell you in what context. You're not going to tell me in what context you've staggered all over the place. But I want to tell you today, no matter how much you've staggered in unbelief, no matter how much you've put on religious airs to sort of get around the fact that you're really hurting in your heart and you're putting this religious guard on, whatever way you've played games, we've all done it. We've all been there. I've got the T-shirt. Amen? We've all been there. But what God is asking for is a reality of heart to consider and say I may want to quit I may have made mistakes but hey God you're still true you're still alive your promises are still good I'm putting them in my heart I'm going to confess them out of my mouth I'm going to live accordingly and they're going to come and we're going to see your glory I really believe that's the day we're in I really believe it one last scripture go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 what time do you finish when we finish that's very rabbinical. Thank you for that. I won't be long. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. Verse 13. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak. Knowing, have you noticed that? If you've got a spirit of faith, you believe and therefore you speak. We had two amens and one yes. You believe and therefore you speak. Amen? We, we, don't, we don't say amen or yes in a meeting because we want to make the preacher feel better because he's insecure. We say amen and yes, okay, simply because we're agreeing 
with the word of God. And we believe in our heart what the word of God says. And we're going to speak it out of our mouth. Amen. I believe and therefore I spoke. And now just go down in the scripture for the sake of time. While you're believing and while you're speaking, listen to this verse 18. While we do not look at the things which are seen, natural hope, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are what? Temporary, but the things that are not seen are eternal. If something's eternal, it's not just coming, it's always been. If something's eternal, it's not just coming, it's always been. The scripture tells me in Ephesians chapter 1 that we were in him before the foundation of the earth. So we have a hope in him, regardless, before you became a little tiny baby, before you, whatever you've become in life, in this physical realm, you were in him before the world began, and you had a hope in him before the world began, and it was much bigger than what you can ask or imagine, infinitely beyond your highest prayers and desires, hopes or dreams, and it's in him, and you're going to fulfill it, maybe not all in this age, but certainly the next stage, and it's time to get involved in that hope. It's time to get involved in that hope. It's time to see, what, from a love perspective, it's time to see yourself walking down the street and when the sun shines on you and your shadow passes, people get healed. It's time to start to see that on the inside. Not so that you can then have a ministry and get a magazine out, but so that that person's life is transformed and changed. That's the motivation. Have you noticed so many times Jesus said, don't tell anybody? I mean, somebody gets healed and we, we, we make six months testimonies out of it. There's nothing wrong with testimony, that's great. But the motivation is simply to move in compassion and see healing come. If you start moving in healing in a powerful way, Lay hands on as many Christians as possible to give the gift away. Don't hold it to yourself. Equip the church with it. Hmm. I need to shut up. But we don't look to the things that are seen. We look to the things. We live in a, a cynical, totally... What's the word I'm looking for? I could think of many. Not words that I can repeat. We live in a world that is so superficial. People look at you one minute and judge you. If For our young people, if they don't have the right pout on Facebook, they get negatives. And it's serious. Because on social media, you've got kids being bullied. You've got kids being ostracized because of the way they look or what they've said. Or what's happened at school, whatever. It's, it's really getting tough. Would it be wonderful with a group of people that just, not just to fill up, full of hope for themselves, but like we've been taught from Bethel, can see the gold in other people? What's the hope I have for you and for you? I will say this. I felt the Holy Spirit say, hoping in God is different to waiting for your moment. Don't wait to be picked. 
Don't wait to be prophesied over. Hope and see it and live in it now. Do you understand? Live in it now. See yourself doing the things that Jesus did now. See yourself laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover now on the inside. Instead of imagining negative stuff about yourself. Oh, oh, Pinky Perky at school said this about me. Or or Bobby Lou said this about me at work. I feel terrible. No, what does Jesus say about you on the inside? What does God say about you? You know, I've got to the stage after 15 years of ministry and, and many years before that doing other stuff, I've got to the stage where I don't really care what people think of me. I don't really care uh, in some ways how wonderful or not this word was. What I do care about is people coming to hope. People coming to hope because there is a real issue with lack of hope in our society and a real issue with lack of hope in the church. But I know that the only hope is Jesus, and the only hope is the Word, and the only hope is the Holy Spirit. And let the artist that the Holy Spirit is come to you again this morning. Would you stand with me, please? We're going to just allow the Holy Spirit to come. In this house, we are real. But we also make mistakes. And when we do, we make sure we say sorry. We give second chances to anyone and we also have lots of fun in this house we definitely forgive we also do loud we give the best hugs we are family And in this house, that means we We love. love.